Well, the, the scoreboard said I lost today, but what the scoreboard doesn't say is what it is I have found. Tennis Connected Studios for May 26th, 2023. I'm Nima Naderi alongside Parsa Sami, and we're here this week to preview the French Open. Before we begin this week's show, let's introduce our co-host, Parsa. How are you, my friend? I'm doing really well. I'm very, very excited about the French Open that's about to come, and I'm looking forward to ta- talking about it with you. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the biggest uh, you know update and news coming out of this week's this part of me this year's action in Paris is uh, Nadal is not playing. The 14-time champion has uh, withdrawn from the event. Pretty much didn't play. He hasn't played since Australia, since losing to Mackenzie McDonald uh, in the second round of the Australian Open uh, in straight sets. Nonetheless, it's obviously very sad news. You always equate the French Open with Nadal. Is he going to win it again? Ridiculous record. You know, I mean, he's won like 14 times, lost three, only to two players with Djokovic and Soderling. I mean, he's forever the the clay court king. Doesn't matter what anybody else does, unless somebody can get 15. Do you ever? But that's gonna. Do you ever think about? Yeah, you ever think about if it's even possible to ever happen again? I mean, I know records are meant to be broken, but. Can someone do it? 14? Well, well, it's like, think about it like this. Alcaraz is 20 now, right? So for Alcaraz to tie Nadal, he's got to play till 35, 36. He's got to pretty much win every single year for the rest of his career. That's really what Nadal, that he started a bit earlier. He won it at 19. That's right. Um, and so you got to really, you got to start super young. You got to win the tournament like 18, 19, and then just keep rolling it out, right? And it's it's difficult because the courts are a bit different now than when the doll started, um, and I think the you know the 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 competition is a bit more even now. Right? It's not like they're all like not really superstars. I mean, Alcaraz is pretty much getting to that plateau, but I don't think the rest of the guys are in that role mode. So you never know. I mean, listen, I think Alcaraz is going to win over 10 slams, but is he going to, that's combined. And he's also a lot different type of player than Nadal too. He's, he's really good on fast courts and stuff like that. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, a little more injury prone too. There. Yeah. Sorry. A little more injury prone too, Alcaraz, you know, he's already been banged up for the last couple of years. He, he, he sort of sometimes has to take, you know, missed tournaments and such, and I think that that's something to watch out for, too. Yeah, I mean, Nadal was injured early in his career as well, right? He had foot injuries, yep. he withdrew. He didn't play the first. He was going to play the, ter- the the French Open at 17 and 18, but he was injured. He broke his foot the year before he won it, Then the year that Gaudio beat uh, Guillermo Correa, five sets, if you remember that one. And then from then on, it was pretty much Nadal's tournament, right? So, yeah, anything is possible. 
And this looks like one of those records, you know, along with like Djokovic winning 10 in Australia and, and stuff like that, where it's going to be really tough. I mean, you, you need somebody to just come on and be like a, a world beater, right? It's almost um, like it's almost like you were saying how the, the playing field is so even now. And yeah. then you you feel like it's hard to get someone to differentiate themselves from these great players that we've had. And it's, it's sort of a byproduct of Federer. Nadal, Djokovic, you know that that we're getting all this parity because players are really good. You know, they're they're there's a, a an all around game. The court speed is slowed down, making the 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 field very very even. I think of like uh, NASCAR in the United States. You know, they they try to bring all the cars together in the race. It sort of feels like that in tennis. Um, obviously, a lot can happen between the lines and. Um, you know, I just don't know if anyone can dominate. I can't even fathom it, which which we're coming out of an era where it was all about domination. And somehow I still can't think, I still don't believe it'll happen again. I don't think so either. I For 14 slams, I mean, that's like, like Pete Sampras won 14 in total. Think about it like this. Any of these guys that if you said to them right now, you're going to end your career with 14 grand slams. The guy's going to sign up for that, right? Like, to get just 14 of one of them, it's, I mean, you are, like, tailor-made for that. Like, think about how good Bjorn Borg is on clay. It's it incredible. Amazing. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. What we've Nadal, experienced is unprecedented, Nadal for sure. tripled his results. Yep. You know, it's like, it's, it's just, it's next level, right? Next of the next level. Absolutely. So, and, uh, you know, I would love to see him again. I mean, hopefully he comes back. Remember, he didn't say, Parcel, when he's coming back. He didn't say he's done for this year. He's saying that next year will likely be his final year. That doesn't mean that he won't play this year. So I'm hopeful. And my like projection is, is that he probably will play Toronto, then the U.S. Open. Um, that's kind of what I'm feeling. Uh, he's going to give himself some time to rest and relax uh, and, and, and heal up. But we'll see. I mean, he knows better than anybody. Like, you know, I had some good intel that he wasn't going to play, like, at all. And he's not, he wasn't going to play the French either. And a lot of people were dogging us on, on Twitter and stuff like that. And, and it was interesting because when they're criticizing you, they're like, that's okay to do. But then when I'm saying, well, look, guys, I was right, then they're like, why are you bragging about it? So anyways, that's a different discussion for a different day. But nevertheless, I've, I really feel like he's, he's in bad shape. He, he really, like, that's the information that I got firsthand from a very close source to him. And he's he's not in good shape. Again, that can change. He's, he's you know, a very wealthy guy. He's got a lot of resources. So he can, he's obviously trying to fix the problem. Right. But at, at the moment, it's not there for sure. Because if it was, you would see him right now on center court practicing. And because that's his, that's where he loves to be, right? It's a little, so it's never, it's taken a little of the allure out of the tournament, which I'm sure we're going to get to shortly. But yes. you know, it's um, I it's it's a new era. You know, we we might get those uh, Guga Quirton uh, vibes back in there, and uh, you know, and just get the the that parody that the French Open always has been, right? You always had a head scratcher. It's like, how did he get into the semis? It might be one of those years again. You will for sure see something like that, like a Marco Cicinato making the, the semifinals, and then he does nothing for the rest of his career after that, pretty much. it's Yeah, it's possible. But I think you're still going to see some level of normancy uh, going through throughout the draw. 
and you know we'll, we will get to that. Um, obviously, some of the headliners on the men's side are Alcaraz. He comes in very hot. He had that, uh, you know, that early defeat in Rome, which I think was not a big deal since he won Barcelona, he won um, Madrid, and he, you know he played amazing on the hard courts in March. So he's he's ready to go. Plus, he won I think Rio. He made the finals of Buenos Aires. Or, the, or vice versa. So he's he's playing incredible tennis this year. Then you got Djokovic, who, I mean, listen, no Nadal, Djokovic coming in. If Djokovic wins this tournament, Parso, he will have won every major at least three times. It's so incredible. But he looks different to me, Nima. We're going to get to it, I'm sure. But he doesn't look the same as he... He doesn't look the same. He's a little heavier. Um you know, Absolutely, he, he doesn't look the same. He's, yeah. he's not looking good after Australia. And listen, he won Australia pretty injured up, but he's just—he's a legend. You know, Michael Jordan level mind, super competitive guy. He was doing like how many hours a day of physio just to get ready for every match. Right. You know, his hamstring was messed up, his elbow wasn't good. But listen, he won the tournament. So all credit to him, all-time, all-time legend. This is the toughest tournament for him. Everybody knows that, even though he's won it twice. And he's coming in with some really young, hungry guys that want to win the tournament. So it's going to be interesting. But listen, if he can do it, I don't care if Nadal's not there. It's still an incredible achievement. And he's going to have to, he will have 23 majors, every Grand Slam three times. Plus, he's got the positive head-to-head against Fed and Nadal. And he's got, the, you know, all the Master Series. He's for sure the GOAT. Ooh. But again, you know, we, we will see, we will see what... Uh, what happens in, in, in a few weeks' time. But, you know, then we have obviously Holger Rune, who's been playing really well, made the finals of Rome as well as Monte Carlo. Uh, he won Munich. So, listen, he's right up there in the top three. Then Medvedev, who all of a sudden, Barca, has become a clay court specialist, <laughs> win Rome, playing really well, made like six, seven finals this year. Super confident. I definitely think he should not be taken lightly in this tournament. And... Then from there, you know, you're going to have some, some guys on the, on the outskirts that might be able to do some damage. Maybe Zarev finds some form. I still don't think he's ready. Dominic Team, who benefited from Nadal withdrawing. Now he's in the main draw, former finalist. You know he loves this tournament, but he's a shell of what he used to be. Um, and then obviously we move to the women's side. And it's, it's anybody's game, really. I mean, it's anybody's tournament. We have Iga Schwantek who is going for her fourth major, Sabalenka, who's going for the keeper calendar year, Grand Slam in Czech. And then we got Rabakina, who is the reigning Wimbledon champion and who's been playing really well, just won Rome. And she, I think she can play on anything. The game that she has, she just takes the racket out of your hand. So it's really good. I mean, listen, we don't have the legend, like, and I know this stuff, Parsa, because, you know, obviously I have a website with Tennis Connected, and I see the metrics every day, and I compare, I compare them year to year. And you can see that with Nadal not playing, and, you know, Alcaraz out a little bit, than Djokovic, like, if you had Djokovic, Alcaraz, Nadal in all of these tournaments this year, Miami, Indian Wells, all the clay, it would be way more exciting. No question about it. Definitely they, agree, that, of course. That hasn't been the case, right? So you see that drop. You see that drop in the analytics and, you know, the viewership and everything. And that's pretty much unanimous, right? But 
if you take out, you know, Fed is retired, Nadal is on, you know, on his back right now. Djokovic is still there, but not in 100%. Serena retired, Sharapova retired a couple of years ago. These are some of the most iconic players that we've had in the last 20 years. And, you know, four or five of them are not around anymore, pretty much. So it's tough. But then you got Alcaraz, you got Rune, you got Sviantec, you got Sabalenka, you got Rybikina. These are excellent players. They just don't have the history and the story. You know what I mean? They don't have that marketing behind them. And they, you know, the general public is not used to them and they don't know them. So they kind of have to start building those legacies. So then we can get, you know, tennis back to where it was in the heyday when all of the, you know, aforementioned champions that I was, you know, you know, speaking about were playing. So nevertheless, I still think it's going to be a good tournament. Um, I, I obviously it's not going to be as well watched, I think, as if everybody else was around that should like hopefully would have been. But nevertheless, what, what are your overall thoughts of how you think the tournament is going to unfold? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, it, you know, along the lines of what you're saying, uh, at the same time, I feel like when you're saying that all I hear is opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And there are there is room for new stars to be born and i think that that's where we're headed in tennis anyway it started with alcaraz's emergence last year and at the us open and it's continuing now and and you know holga rune who um you know is definitely you know charged up there is is getting the the boos and the yays and is getting is the controversial figure right now um and there's a lot going on you know with these guys that are starting to make their name for themselves out on tour and you know rune specifically you know has to make a deeper run in a slam to really get to the next level of superstardom um but carlos alcaraz is already there um and i think there's room for one or two more on the men's side and and with the women look you know iga is is an incredible tennis player she's only 21 like you were saying you know on off air and i feel like there is so much parody in the women's game that you sort of don't know what's going to happen until you're actually in the event because how is the surface going to affect their ball? You know, is is the ball going to, you know, with spin going to have a little bit more effect this year or is it going to be uh, the, a flatter, drier type player that's going to be able to get through? And, and I think you have these different styles mixed around in the women's game that will lend itself to having these sort of head-scratching type results that you're really not sure. And I know we go through this, Nima, with every podcast um, because the women's side is, we don't know. You know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we do have some key players that are already, you know, I would say they're a year or two ahead of the men. They've they've got a little bit of a footprint, you know, Iga being the one that comes to mind, but between Sabalenka... And, you know, and Ribikina, you've got a couple of players here that are starting to separate themselves as long as they can stay healthy. I think the French Open is just going to be another step towards that possible dominance of a female um, taking the, the WTA Tour by storm. Yeah, and, and Sviantec obviously has been, you know, way better than everybody in the last 24 months. And it's been, you know, listen, Parsa, we're living in a day and age where these players, it's very hard to stay hungry because there's more money than ever. Like, look at Ash Barty. Imagine she was still around, right? She would be an incredible, you know, 
like competitor against Sviantec, right? Very, both very athletic, competitive, very professional young women. But she, she, you know, she bagged it in at 25, made 40, 50 million dollars. She's done. Look at, look at uh, Osaka, right? Won four Grand Slams. You know, pretty much. Let's be call it what it is. Has lost some motivation, right? She's making 55 million dollars a year still in endorsements. I know she just had a child. And, you know, she's taking some time off. She wants to develop her life, but still very young and has already made, you know, a couple hundred million dollars, right? It's like, it's it's not like how it was, you know, and, you know, a few years back, I, you know, I did a couple of tournaments with Mark Philippoussis down in the Caribbean and, you know, obviously great player, right? But in his day, look at the prize money, like check out his prize money, right? Not that much. Relatively to what he did, couple slam finals, won a Masters, like the guy was there, you know what I mean? And he, it's a, a fragment of what these players are making today, right? Like how, what Sissipas, who they just broke up actually their relationship, but look at how much Sissipas has made. Sissipas made like $60 million already in his career. Like it's a different ball game. So for you to stay hungry, you need to be like a Djokovic. I think Sviantek has it. I think she really loves to play and she's kind of like, you know, Rafa's role model and she really wants to become like a legend and win like, you know, more than 10 slams. But it's it's very difficult and that's why you don't see you see like Muguruza come and then, you know, she's she's gone. And you know, players like that Kvitova still holding on, but she's like in her 30s now. I'm not sure how much of a dent she's going to make. But I still think on the women's side again, the stories are not there but the the quality of the players are there right so i think that's something that we can all really look forward to as this uh as this tournament develops so uh, and i was going to say Nima, the, yeah just ahead. just real quick on on that note you know of course if money is your motivation right and it's your sort of way to get out and you get it there could be a lack of motivation in in doing that but like you were alluding to with suantec you know she's really motivated by the sport by achievement you know and possibly following in the footsteps of her of her legends idols right and yes. i think there's two different you know types of it's more than two there, there's different types of motivation for every human in no matter what you do whether it's tennis or you know something else that you do in business and i think you you're seeing that matriculate through the tennis world you know there's there are some that achieve that success like you were you know alluding to with Osaka um, and she sort of maybe lost interest or we don't really know the details but it's seemingly on the outside you know lost has lost some of that hunger in order to be great once she achieved something she said wow look at this what I did I'm gonna cash in now and I'm gonna really develop my life the way I want it to be lived and you can do that when you your bank account is full and you're you're taken care of for life you know, whereas maybe Sviantek is, is out there and she's like, I want to win everything known to humankind and I want to be number one in the world for the next 10 years in a row and I want to be known as the dominant player. You know, so whatever that motivation may be, um, I think differs for everybody. But uh, I think we're seeing it all play out. And, and again, Roland Garros is going to be another step towards defining what we're seeing right now in today's current world. Of course. Um so breaking down now the women's draw, we have obviously Sviantek at the top, where she should be. Uh, it's an interesting little quarter she's got. You know, she's got Azarenka, 
and versus and rescue first round, which is going to be a nice one. 18 seed Azarenka, former two-time slam winner versus former U.S. Open winner Andrescu, who's pretty much like fallen off of her game majorly, uh, but hopefully she can come back Canadian. And then we have you know, some other some good players in this quarter. Um, but you know, as I'm scrolling down uh, to get to you know some more. I don't know. I mean, you got Kvitova here, Parsa. Who else do you see in this quarter that, you know, Rybakina is obviously there, um, who we talked, you know, in length about. I, for me, listen, this quarter, I think you're going to see some great first-round matches. And, you know, Anz Jabur is there. She's been injured a little bit. I'm not sure how great she is on clay, but she can play on clay. She's won some big clay court tournaments. I think her game is a little bit more, you know, conducive to, like, grass with the slice and everything that she has. I think she plays a little bit better on the grass, making the Wimbledon finals. Um, but listen, I, I I would go right now, I would go with Fiontek versus Rybakina as my two semifinalists in this section. Uh, and then I can give you the, the bottom half in a bit. But um, what else do you see in this? I mean, we have Madison Keys who... I'm really not sure what she's going to be doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I see, I see some really good first and second round matchups. I think the tennis is going to be exciting. Um, yes. You know, you've got a French wild card in there who, you know, you never know. It's it's definitely a drama show. You know, she's either going to be, you know, double what she's capable of or she's going to be literally a quarter of what she's capable of. You know, who knows what's going to happen when she gets on the court. Um, you know, there are, there are these different types of situations that are exist in this draw, but I think the clear cut um, which hasn't been very clear, and we may be dead wrong again, um, but Sviantek and, and Rybikina definitely look like they're heading towards the semifinal here. Yeah, and then as, as we move down to the, the second half, uh, you have, you know, Marie Sakari, who, again, really like her. I love how intense she is, and she wants to be great and play, but I, I would not be betting my house that she's going to win a slam anymore. You know what I mean? I just feel like... She gets she she it means so much to her. Sometimes when it means too much to you, it's really hard to perform, right? Because it gets in your head. Right. And I think that's kind of where she is. She's super fit. You know, very good game for Clay actually. But I just feel like she'll choke. You know, that's that's the reality of the situation. And then we have Belinda Bencic, who really like her game more on the hard court. So I'm not sure how she's going to fare here. Uh, we have. Potapova, who is an up-and-comer Russian who's been playing really well uh, in the last 12 months. Um, got Caro Garcia, who, again, you know, French woman. I think she's going to succumb to the pressure. She's never really done much here. You got Jessica Pagula, who's a third seed, who, I mean, she plays well on clay, but I think you would probably favor other surfaces for her. Um, well, what an incredible story, no? I mean, continues. It's It's not even like a you know, an anomaly, right? Where she is, where, you know, how her ranking is. Uh, she just continues to marvel, continues to take the ball early, continues to, to cause disruption, and she's consistently up there at the end of every tournament. And we talk about motivation. I mean, she's a billionaire. Right. So her parents are worth like $6.7 billion with the franchises that they own in Buffalo, right? So, I mean, all credit to her. She made her own name for herself, right? That's right. And it's it's fantastic. So she plays Daniel Collins in the first round. That's going to be an interesting one. And her mom's um, battling cancer, right? So there's a lot going on in that family, and uh, she's displaying some, some serious toughness, no doubt about it. For sure. 
And then you have Ostapenko, who is, you know, nothing short of a character, former champion here, um, who's actually playing much better lately. You have Kazakina, who's, again, another very fit player who can do some damage. And then you have Sabalenka, who's at the number two seed. So this is, for me, a little bit of um, the, the section, the half, that you're going to see some upsets where I think it's going to break open a little bit. And for that reason, I'm going to be going with Ostapenko versus Potapova in the semifinals. Then I'm going to be going with, well, I'll, I'll give you my final picks in a second, but that's basically who I'm going to be going with. I think Ostapenko has the mentality now. I'm still not crazy about her serve. I think it's got, it's a bit, you know, hitchy and everything, but she, you know, she hits the ball well and she's playing confidently. And I think that's going to be able to carry her deep in this event. And then, like I said, Potapova is another up and comer, you know, very fit Russian who's, who's been playing well. And I think she's, she's going to have a good tournament. So I, I like, I, you know, I can see them facing off in, in the in the uh, in the semifinals. Yeah, I, I definitely you know agree with you on Sakari the Sakari tick. I just don't think she'll choke early, so I, I'm gonna have her in in the in the semi there. I think she'll get there. I think she'll be destined um, to fulfill what we sort of already know. And I hope we're wrong, but um, you know, I I feel like that there's always gonna be some situation that's gonna set her off, and especially later in the tournament. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that there's going to be some some drama, um, but I do think she's going to get there. And I'm also an Ostapenko fan, you know, being there before deep in at Roland Garros, I think is going to be very helpful for her. And I think she's going to take that experience. And uh, as long as she can get through the first you know round or two, which it looks like she would, um, I think once she gets rolling, you know, there, there could be some some positive things coming from her. So I've got Sakari and, and Ostapenko there. Um, and uh you know, because of that matchup, I'm actually going to have, if, if it's okay, I'm going to go to the yeah. semi there. I'm going to go Ostapenko, and uh, I'm going to have Sviantec uh, against Ostapenko in the final. And, okay. uh, and I'm going to have Iga, you know, holding up the, the trophy again and uh, and solidifying what she really wants to be. I think that, that legendary status is next up for her. Um, and uh, I think this is just another step in that direction. Yeah, I think so for me, you know, she's coming in a bit injured and she has lost a couple of matches relatively throughout the last few months. So I don't think she's at her supreme level of confidence, even though she's still the best player in the world. Yep. Um, so I think for me, my pick actually is Rybikina taking out Sviantek and then Ostapenko taking out Potapova. And then you can have Rybikina defeating Ostapenko. In, in an unlikely final uh, to capture her second Grand Slam to then be the reigning French Open as well as Wimbledon champion going into the third Grand Slam of the year. And and the reason for that is I think that the game that she possesses, I think she's the hardest hitter on tour, even though there's some, some girls out there that can really hit the ball big. And I think that Rabikina can make a clay court, even a clay court look like a hard court. And she just takes the racket out of your hand. And she takes the ball early off to right. She's got a big serve, really good forehand, really good backhand, very even keel demeanor where she's not really affected by anything going on, social media, you know, criticisms, what her opponent is doing. She, she's not pumping her fist. She's not getting, you know what I mean? So it's not the most exciting player to watch, but if you're looking at it from, you know, just, you know, production, She's one of the best players in the world, and that's why I think that she's got a great chance of, of winning it this year. Um, 
So, Parson, now for the women's side, we're going to talk about our dark horse. And I'm not sure if you have anybody, but I'm going to be going with an American, actually, and Alicia Parks, who I think has a great game, huge serve, very committed, fit. And, you know, I like what I've been seeing from her in the last, I would say, year. And I think she can do some damage here. So what, what, what are your thoughts on your dark horse for the event? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very tough one on the, on the dark horse side. I mean, I think there are going to be some surprises, but I just don't foresee a dark horse actually getting through um, in, in any way, shape, or form. Like, I don't think it's going to be anyone that's going to get very far. Um, but I do want to spend two seconds, if it's possible. You know, we, we didn't mention golf. Um, and I think, you know, I think golf, there's something there. You know, she trained in France a lot. Um, I think it's an important tournament to her, um, and and I think that there may be some noise coming coming out of there. Um, maybe at least an upset or or something where where we get something from her. And then I think the other one that is clearly not a dark horse, one of the best players, is Pagula. And that Pagula hasn't she's never gotten past a quarterfinal, right, of a slam. Am I am yes. I wrong? Right. So I feel like there's that there is some some pressure there you're the number three seed in a grand slam your expectation is to be in the semifinal yet in your career you've never been past a quarterfinal so i think there's there's definitely storylines and things to watch um you know if, if you're going to make me uh you know choose a story you know maybe i'm, I'm going to be leaning towards taylor townsend a little bit and just just because you know she's a name from the past in america she's she's a broadcaster with the tennis channel and then yes, all of a sudden yes. now she's back and qualifying and, you know, in seemingly good shape. And she definitely has a good head on her shoulders in terms of tennis acumen. So a very dangerous player um, nonetheless. Perfect. All right. So switching gears now to the men's draw, which is led by Carlos Alcaraz. And he's got a pretty good draw for the Spaniard. I mean, you know, it's interesting because he comes in now. Everybody's like Alcaraz is going to win. You know, he's number one. He won the U.S. Open. He's got a year under his belt with this type of pressure. And I think that, like, and I think this, this is the first major, obviously, that he's played since he's been number one because he didn't play the Australian Open. So he just got to number one ranking back. Um, Djokovic is actually three now because Medvedev won Rome, so Medvedev goes to number two. So now you got Djokovic and Alcaraz in this section together, which is very interesting because, you know, it's a semi now, max, right? They can't play in the finals. Um, and I look at it and I see some good guys around him, obviously. I mean, I'm not feeling what Felix has been doing in the last year or so. Cameron Nori, I don't think he's got over five sets what it takes to beat him. Shapovalov is completely off the rails. Don't like anything that he's doing lately from coaching standpoint to anything. Sebastian Korda, again, great player, but he's been injured. Uh, you know, Davidoff, Fakina, super like, you know, physical guy, but I don't think he's got the weapons to do, you know, create, create the kind of uh, controversy that you need to take out Alcaraz. And you got Ben Shelton again, look for him to do some damage maybe at the US Open. So I think, and then Rublev, if it's Rublev versus, you know, like Alcaraz, I, I really don't think that Rublev is going to, is going to win that match. So, but look at that quarterfinal. Look at that quarterfinal, right? I mean, if, yeah. if you got Djokovic, you got Djokovic, Rublev, Sisipas, yes. and this is no guarantee Alcaraz in just the quarterfinals of that of that top half section. I mean, that is yeah. There's definitely some some danger. Final yeah. yeah. And so I listen. 
if I was a betting man, I would be definitely going with Djokovic versus Alcaraz, and and that's what I'm going to be going with. So um, that's that's what I got in the top half. How about yourself? Yeah, I I'm, I uh, understand what you're saying about Alcaraz, um, but I think that the fact that he was not at Australia, his brain is still you know in the place where I the last Grand Slam I played, I won. Um, and I think the best of five lends itself to a player of this type of caliber of creativity. I think it's so much harder to beat a a number one in a best of five format. So I, I just think that there's going to be uh, a lot of challenges for the rest of the draw ahead of him. So I definitely have Carlos Alcaraz uh, getting to the, um, the f- top half of the semifinal. The one that I'm questioning is that quarterfinal, Djokovic and, and Rublev, I think in the end, it's going to be Djokovic that, that gets through that match, um, but not without Rublev really putting up a stink. And I think that's going to hurt him in the match against Alcaraz in the semi. So that's what I've got for the top half. Um, you want to go for the second half? Yeah, and then in the second half, we have, you know, led by Medvedev and Holger Rune. A um, couple, obviously, guys who have been playing really well. You got Kasper Ruud, who to me, Confidence is not where it should be. And then we got a bit of that wild card, but pro- high-profile guy in Yannick Sinner, right, who's keeps, you know, doing the right things. Everybody's like, this guy's going to win slams, and he's this and he's that. And listen, love Sinner. He's a great guy, super focused. He loves tennis. He does everything the right way. But, you know, he's not physically, I think, where he needs to be at, right? He's got to put on some muscle and, and get to the physicality of a guy like Holger Rune or Carlos Alcaraz, right? And Unless he's... you're like just super kind of like an octopus like Medvedev and you can just, you know, reach the arms out and, and get everything over the net. And his game so... isn't developed there, Nima, right? So he still is lacking a backhand down the line, you know, an effective backhand down the line. So I think you've also got that element of it as well. Especially yeah. on a clay court. Very, very challenging without that shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, again, still a work in progress, but he'll get there. I just yeah. don't know if it's, if, it's, if it's right now. So for me, I'm going with Rune versus Medvedev in the semis. I'm not going with super upsets. I just think that Medvedev is in such good form. Like he has literally made pretty much every single final. That he's played since Australia, like he's every tur- he's won like five tournaments, seven finals. Like he's winning is a habit, right? And he's been winning, so that's his habit right now. And Rune again, I mean, listen, finals of Monte Carlo, finals of Rome, won Munich. This guy hates to lose, and he makes you beat him. He will do whatever it takes to stay out there. Like the guy's a gamer, you know what I mean? And he's he's a bit of a prick. Let's just call <laughs> it what it is. I'm not saying I don't. I mind that. And I actually like the guy, and I think he he gets a lot of unwarranted criticism, but he doesn't care what you think about him, right? Which is good in a way, right? And I think that's what's got him to where he has at the age of 20. And listen, I, that's that's what I'm thinking, and I'll, I'll give you the final my final picks uh, in a second. So go ahead. What, who do you have in this section? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to go against Holger. Um, you know, you know he's he's itching and clamoring. Um, at the same time, again, another guy that you know, how deep has he been in a slam before, right? So there's a couple of things that generally have to happen um, in order for you to really prepare yourself, mind, body, spirit, um, all of it to go deep in Grand Slams, you know? And I think there is there is some um, aura around him right now. He's, he's the talk and, um, you know, he's maybe 
supplanted Sisipas as as that sort of cast of character villainish type of um, you know aura that he's got around himself and and his game. Um, but I think regardless, the tennis is phenomenal, and I think very very good. Um, I think Casper. Um, it's just going to be a challenge for him. I think there's a lot of people that could make a name for themselves here. I'm going to have Holger going to the semi, but I'm not going to say that I would be shocked if he doesn't get there. Um, and the reason is I think there's a lot of, of land... I agree. Yeah. I agree. Totally yeah. agree. There's landmines in there um, that on a given day... Yeah. On a given day, they could, you know, he could be slightly off and, and there's plenty of top-tier talent um, that could give him all sorts of problems and it just depends, right? A Grand Slam, you know, how, how he goes through the beginning rounds is very important in, in the way his fitness is going to be and so on and so forth. So I will have Rune in there um, with a little bit of a, hmm, maybe, maybe not. Um, and, and I did want to spend a little bit of time on, on Medvedev. I think, you know, Medvedev, this is classic psychology. Uh, you know, he starts with saying how much he hates clay and what kind of surface is this and all this kind of stuff. And he basically entered the clay court season not even caring and giving up and already defeated. And kind of look at what a pain in the behind he is throughout the, the tour right now, you know, on clay. You know, and, and the reason is because his mentality should always fit. It's just the movement, right? Because it's it's about keeping balls in. He goes way back in the court. Um, but now he's learned to actually have some mobility. I think the danger that lies for him there is when he plays a true clay quarter, which they don't really exist as much as they used to. But I think no. he would have had problems 15 years ago when true the, the guys that, you know, they walk up to you, they've got red clay all over themselves, and it's like laundered in from the laundry because that's how much they play on red clay. We don't have those kind of guys anymore. Um, you know, the game has, has definitely... Um, gone towards the hard court, and I think yeah. you've, you're seeing more of that. And so, and I he's think, got a great draw, also. And he's got a great draw, and and so yeah. I definitely uh, um, feel like that Medvedev is the player to beat here um, in this section. So I've got a uh, Rune Medvedev and um, Djokovic and Alcaraz. Yes. Um, this is where it gets tricky. Um, yeah, for you know, sure. because uh, you've got a legend against a wannabe legend um, on yeah. one side, and then you've got a proven champion against a guy who's really, really clamoring to prove himself as a champion in, in Rune yes. and Medvedev. Um, you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go with uh, Rune advancing to the final, defeating Medvedev in that semi, and I'm going to have uh, I'm going to have Carlos Alcaraz through there, um, and it's going to be a the young gun. Final and and I'm gonna foresee here that that Alcaraz is gonna win this one, um, and hold up that Roland Garros trophy and and bring Spain more joy and pride in in the fallout of Nadal not being there, and I see that happening in in a, in a you know in a burner, um, but something like seven six in the fourth for for Alcaraz. So I have I have same same four. I got Alcaraz, Djokovic, Rune, Medvedev. I'm gonna take Alcaraz over Djokovic. I'm going to take Rune over Medvedev, and then I'm actually taking Rune over Alcaraz in five sets. Beautiful. And I think it's going to be a four-and-a-half-hour match. It's going to be a bit ugly. I don't think it's going to be the prettiest tennis you've ever seen, but it's going to be just a war. And I think that, I don't know, I, I feel like, to me, Rune has shown enough that he can win a major. Like, he hasn't won one, 
right? He's only 20. He just turned 20, right? It's not like he's played 100 majors, right? He's not Feliciano Lopez. He's like, he has literally, he's shown he's got enough. He's got the physicality. He He's beat a lot of good players. He's beat Djokovic a couple of times. Like he's beat, he's taken out pretty much everybody that he needs to, right? And again, Nadal is not here. And it's it's there. You know, the mentality is different now, right? When you don't have guys like Federer at Wimbledon, when you don't have Nadal at French, everybody's chomping at the bit. And it gives you even more. They're like, I got to win this tournament, right? Like, I you have, don't know. Maybe Nadal comes back next year. Yeah, Nima, and, I've got a little tidbit for you here. How yeah. about this with Rune? Rune yeah. is going to need to win a slam in the next year or two. Because yeah. otherwise, it becomes a mental hurdle that may he may never be able to get over. You know, because he does have that little bit of babyish in him, where you know if he takes a little bit of a tumble or the crowd starts to jeer at him, or you know he's experienced some of this stuff. But yes. if if it doesn't happen sooner, I would say in the next six to seven Grand Slams. Um, you got to watch out. It, it may be one of those plateau type situations. And I believe in his talent and believe in his game. Um, and I think he's going to get there. Um, but I think just a little bit of a tidbit there. He needs to win to establish himself as, as one of the best for the years to come. So I think that there's a, a, a strong word there, which is need. You know, when you need to do something, I think he's out there to prove that he can take and um you know, obviously we've got the same finalists, um, you know, but, uh, you know, different champions. So let's see how it folds, unfolds, I should say. Yeah, and I think now we go to the dark horse, and I'm going with Thomas Martin Echeverry. I like I'm not it. sure if you know this guy, Parsa. Yeah, I, I watched him, yeah. Yeah, he's a clay quarter and a half. Yep. Like, good technique, very even-keeled guy, good athlete. Good serve, good forehand, good backhand. I mean, the guy's, again, a really good player. And he's made a couple finals this year, 250s. He could make the quarters here. Like, he could upset a couple guys. Like, you gotta, you can't take him lightly. And I know nobody will. But, I, again, and I've liked what I've seen from him the last three or four months on, on the dirt. So, for that reason, I'm going to be going with him to make, uh, to be my dark horse pick. You, who do you have? I, I'm loving Jin Zhen Zhang from China. I, He's, good player, yeah. He's yep. good player. He's he's. This is all new, and and I think every every round that he can get through, he's blazing a new path for literally what is it, one point five billion people on the planet, um, yeah. and and I think it's it's quite remarkable and incredible that it's taken this long for China to have someone of this caliber, but he's here and he can play ball, um, and there's no doubt about it, and and there there's a hunger and a toughness about him. You know, saving all these match points in the, in the last year or so um, in different tournaments and, and continuing to push the envelope and, and continuing to blaze a new path for for Chinese uh, nationals all over the place. And and I think that, uh, you know, he's a very interesting one to watch. And, uh, and I think he's going to have some success deeper into this tournament. Yeah. Again, I think I, I believe I saw him in Miami. Earlier this year, he was playing, and he's, he's playing uh, pretty good on hard courts. So, again, I mean, China's got some good players coming up, too, yep. both men and women's side. So, it's going to be – so, again, the ever international, you know, game of tennis that we have here is always bringing in stars from all over the place, which is fantastic. So, anyways, all good. 
And I uh, can't wait for the tournament to start on Sunday. Remember, they get three Sundays in Paris because the Parisians do it a little bit different than everybody else. Why not? And, uh, <laughs> so Parson and I will be watching that. Um, and again, Parson and I will be back for the Wimbledon preview in a few weeks in July, at the beginning of July. In the meantime, you can follow Parsa at Parsa Sammy on Instagram. You can follow myself at On Mars, as well as check out Tennis Connected and all of its social media platforms for continuing coverage throughout the fortnight. And Parsa, once again, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you. Another great job. Thank you. And thanks, everybody out there for listening. Make sure to catch us on iTunes as well as all the other platforms that we share our podcast with. And be good. Enjoy the French Open. And we will speak with you all very soon. Thank you.